Thanks for tuning into this week's message. For more resources and information about Cedar Valley, please visit cvchurch.org. Good morning, everybody. So nice to see you. Never know what you're going to get on Fourth of July weekend. Those of you watching online, each and every one of you, thank you for being a part of this experience. And we really do mean it. Everybody in this room from one side of the auditorium to the other side of the auditorium, thank you so much for making it a priority to be here with us uh, today. My heart is full, overflowing. Two of my closest friends in the whole world and their families are with us this morning, Albert and Poncho, and their families are with us, their kiddos. Man, I'll tell you what. Talk about a full mouth taste of home. So if you see me extra happy today, that is for sure the reason why. And uh, it is always nice, always nice to host family from, uh, from out of state. All of you would say that, that have visiting family from out of state, what a joy it is to have them when they come and show them around. And uh, also, just so you know, this past week, my wife and I, our family, we have now purchased our home. We are living in Bloomington. That is awesome. We love you guys. We love you so much. It is an honor and a privilege for us to be here. And I knew you'd be excited to hear that. So yeah, we are Minnesotans. That's what we are. Got our license plates, our driver's license, got our home address, everything, baby. Minnesota, through and through, through and through. People look at me like, you gotta be from Minnesota. I said, that's right, I'm from Minnesota. Man, I'm so glad to be here. Hey, listen, Neil, uh, our pastor, is on a much-deserved time of uh, rest, vacation. We're so thankful for Neil and all that he does for us. I'm telling you, this dude is plugged in uh, day-to-day, day-to-day. He's first one to the office pretty much every day. He loves the church. He loves studying God's Word. He loves delivering God's Word. And we are so thankful that he has chosen to take a time of rest. He'll be out for a couple of weeks. Uh, uh, and, and doing that, but we are all thankful for that. So just be praying for them. They'll be doing a little traveling, so pray for traveling mercies uh, for them, but well-deserved uh, for Neil. One other thing I'd like to highlight uh, is our podcast. So we have a podcast, Cedar Valley Podcast, called Lean Into the Messy. We've now done three episodes. These are conversational podcasts, uh, and I uh, 30 minutes long. I think they'd be good for you to just listen on your commute. 30 minutes, good stories, all of this, you know, helping us point to Jesus in our messy, right? We take people's story, we kind of lean into some of the messy of their life, and we, uh, we kind of bring to surface some of those things and talk about it. The last one we just did a few weeks ago, a few days ago, actually, Tyler Moon was our guest, and he had an unbelievable story. Like, I thought it was important enough to just pause and just be like, this dude, 28 years old, running a race, falls over and dies, dies and then lives to tell about it. What a story, right? I mean, the newspaper even said something to the effect of like runner dies in a race or this guy comes and begins to do CPR on him and revives him. And and he, he says, when I went to Tyler, like no pulse, no pulse whatsoever. Let me show you a picture of Tyler. And I think Tyler, Tyler, are you here today? Tyler's here today waving his hand. This is Tyler Moon, by the way a group leader and now coach for life groups, very active. Him and Amy are very active here in our church. Anyway, this is Tyler, and we share the story in the podcast, so I'm just kind of whetting your appetite for this a little bit. This is Tyler running the race, and he had a race bib. This is not the day he ran the race. This is later, because he went back and ran the race that he actually 
died in the first time, he went back and ran the race. Anyway, when he died, this man right here is the one who stopped to help him. Guess what his name is, by the way? Jesus. Jesus. On the day that Tyler was running the race, true story, he had a race bib that said, Jesus saves. He was kind of just letting people know, I'm going to die in a little bit, and Jesus is going to come and save me. <laughs> it, yeah, you can't make this stuff up. It gets better and better and better. So if you want to hear the whole story, go to our podcast, anywhere you look for podcast, anywhere, wherever it is. Just, just look for Cedar Valley Podcast. You'll see it. And, uh, and get into that. You know, and then as I'm hearing him share his story, and as I often hear other people share his story, one of the things that I sometimes ask myself is, well, what can I possibly have that God would actually want? Like, I, in his story, it's easy to see what God would want from him. Like, oh yeah, tell your story. You have a, an amazing story, right? But, you know, have you ever thought, and I think in a room this size, I think it would be fair to say we've kind of all had moments where we're thinking to ourselves like, well, what could I actually say or what could I actually do or what would God maybe actually want from me? My whole life, I've been in church such a long time. I've heard from pulpits and, and pastors and great church leaders that God wants to use you. God wants to, God wants to do something with your life. God wants, you know, God wants to do something with you. And, and I think you, maybe you've been around long enough to hear that as well, but what does that really mean? And, and maybe what are some of the excuses that keep us from actually engaging in that? Maybe, maybe you're here today and you say, I don't know, maybe God would use me, but I'm way too old. Like I'm past all that. I'm not too sure there's anything left for me. Or, or maybe, the, maybe you say there's nothing really special about my upbringing. Like I've never really had a death experience like that. Or I, I don't even have jail time. I've never even been on, you know, I've never even had an ankle monitor or like, I, didn't, I never even went to, in, in, you know, like in school suspension, like I don't have a story like that. Or, or maybe you say, I don't have extra money. Like I, ba I barely make it month to month. So I surely don't have, it's not that I have extra money to do something with. Or, or maybe you think I don't have influence at my job. I just kind of do social work, nothing too crazy. Or I don't have much power. I don't, you know, I don't, definitely don't have any of that. Or I don't have much education, went through, you know, went through high school and then, you know, learned a little trade, or, or maybe you do have some things. Maybe you would say, I actually do have lots of extra money every month, and I'm always wondering, what should I be doing with this? Or, or maybe you do have this fantastic story. Maybe you've endured tragedy. Maybe you've had some really bizarre things happen in your life, and you just don't know how to, how to work through that. Or, or maybe you're sitting in the room today, and, 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 and you're just thinking, it's my past that keeps me from doing anything from God. Like, with my past, I'm not too sure God would want to do anything with me. Maybe you say I'm divorced. And so, yeah, surely, you know, there's really not much room for people um, like that. Or maybe you say I'm a single parent and it's really difficult the way, you know, I don't feel worthy to be used by God. Or maybe you have a blended family. And so some of those dynamics keep you from, from maybe doing the things that God would love to do through you and and how he'd love to position you to, 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 to really make an eternal difference in other people's lives. You know, what are all the, you know, what are some of the excuses that we think of when it comes to this question? Like, what do, what can I possibly have that God would actually want? You know, I do think that it is a privilege to be used by God, but there's a, and we'll learn today that there's actually a great responsibility 
with being used by God as well. It's a privilege to be used by God. It's, it's, it's a privilege for you to steward the things that God has given to you. It's, it's a privilege for you and I to know God, but there is a great responsibility that comes with that as well. And we're gonna kind of talk through um, those things today. So we're gonna stand to our feet at this time, Luke chapter 16, reading verse one through nine. For those of you who are visiting with us this morning, our guests, I just want you to know we don't up, down, up, down every time we read from the Bible. This is just something we do the first time, and it's our way of acknowledging this is God's word. This is not man's word. This is God's word speaking directly to us. It's his, uh, so we, we acknowledge his authority in the scripture. So we're going to read Luke chapter 16, verse 1 through 9. This is what it says. Jesus told this story to his disciples. There was a certain rich man who had a manager handling his affairs. One day a report came that the manager was wasting his employer's money. So the employer called him in and said, what's this I hear about you? Get your report in order because you are going to be fired. The manager thought to himself, now what? My boss has fired me. I don't even have the strength to dig ditches and I'm too proud to beg. Ah, uh, I know how to ensure that I'll have plenty of friends who will give me a home when I'm fired. So he invited each person who owed money to his employer to come and discuss the situation. He asked the first one, how much do you owe him? The man replied, I owe him 800 gallons of olive oil. So the manager told him, take the bill and quickly change it to 400 gallons. And how much do you owe my employer? He asked the next man. I owe him a thousand bushels of wheat, was the reply. Here, the manager said, take the bill and change it to 800 bushels. The rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. And it is true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are the children of the light. Here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the authority of your word. We know that your word is what changes our lives. And today we are very much interested in life transformation. Holy Spirit, we ask you to begin to work in our hearts. Work in our hearts, God, move in us. Let today be a challenge to each and every one of us. Lord, we came today to honor you, to glorify you, to worship you, and to also be transformed by your word. So, God, we pray exactly that would take place in each of our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Interesting. Last week, we spent time in perhaps the most popular of the parables found in Luke 15 the tale of two sons. The next parable found in Luke 16 is maybe the most misunderstood parable, back to back. So let's just kind of work through this slowly. And, and, and so we'll start in verse one. Jesus told this story to his disciples. So it's important for us to just kind of take a moment and understand the setting. Jesus just finished speaking to a large crowd. Remember the notorious sinners, the Pharisees, the disciples, large group of people. This is not the same setting. This is a different setting, right? So just because one chapter goes into another, it's not like Jesus just continues to talk and talk and talk. These are different settings. Now, so it's, under, it's important to know that the setting has changed. Now he's speaking to his disciples. 
Okay, so, so that means it's probably a little bit more intimate, right? He is talking to the men that he is preparing, right? He is preparing these men to go and change the world. So he, is, he, is, he, he knows their hearts. He's, he's walked with these men. He has slept next to these men. He has engaged with these men. He has shared meals with these men. He has had arguments with these men, right? So he knows, he knows them well, and he is teaching these men something that he knows they need to, to truly understand. Uh, understand. The Bible also says that there were some Pharisees, as there probably always was, listening off in a distance, right? They were always curious to know and to hear and to, to listen to the teachings um, of Jesus. So we know what the shrewd manager did. So, that, so then this manager goes to, to this guy who, who I think everybody in the house would say, I'd fire him too. I mean, if this dude was managing my books, and he was doing these things, I'd absolutely fire him too, right? So, so the, man, the, 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 the master goes to the manager and says, get your report in order because you are going to be fired. You're busted. I now know what you're doing. I've caught on to your schemes. I want you to go and put all the numbers together, put all the receipts together. You're done. And I need the books, right? I love what it says in the, K, in the King James Version. Because it helps us understand something that we will all need to understand, and that is, we will all give an account for thy stewardship. It's really what the master is saying to the student. I think another message within the message saying to his disciples, really, you will all give an account for thy stewardship. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he is saying, you will all. This parable, one of the things this parable is teaching is that they, we, all will give a, a account for our stewardship individually. Like you and I, we know what God has entrusted to us up to this moment. You know what those things are. And don't just run to money. But all things, all resources, all things God has given to you, entrusted to your care. Children, all, all things God has entrusted into your care. We will all give an account for those things. Jesus makes sure to highlight that. The verse continues. The manager thought to himself, now what? My boss has fired me, rightfully so. Dishonest rascal. I don't have the strength to dig ditches and I'm too proud to beg. So now he's starting to look for the future. Like, what am I gonna do? I've lost my job. This thing is caught up to me. My behavior, my dishonesty, it has caught up to me and now I'm about to get fired. What am I gonna do? I'm too lazy to go out and dig ditches. I'm too proud to get on the corner of the road and beg. What am I going to do? Ah, that's, has, that has tones of like cleverness. Aha, I know what I'm gonna do. I know how to ensure that I'll have plenty of friends who will give me a home when I am fired. Cleverness, smartness. It's that moment when you figure out what has had you stumped for so long. You know the moment when you're just driving, you're like, ah, yes, yes, that's exactly it. He was just so frustrated, mad at himself. I can't believe I did that. 
What in the world was wrong with me? Why did I do that? How am I going to solve this? How am I going to get out of this situation? Aha! I know exactly what I'm going to do. So then he begins to put this plan together in his mind. We read through what the plan was to be even more dishonest, to be even more shrewd, right? Like, I'm going to take my, my boss to the bank now. Like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to figure this thing out so that way when I actually do lose my job, I have myself kind of set up. Ah, starts in here, right? Then it becomes action. So... I've got my plan, now it's time to take action. So this is what he does. So he invited each person, now he has to actually call these guys. Now he's gotta like execute the plan. This dishonest rascal is staying in his dishonesty, right? I mean, you know how it is, man. One thing can lead to another quick. When one, when wheel, one wheel falls off, they all start falling off. This dude, the, the wheels on this dude's wagon are falling off quickly. And now he is creating his own bailout plan. Like he's trying to figure out what am I going to do? So he invited each person who had a debt to his master uh, to, to come and discuss the situation. What's there to discuss? What's there to discuss? They know they have a balance. He knows they have a balance. No, he has a plan, right? He's got a plan. The rich man, after he executed this plan, had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. This guy brings in these different guys and says, hey, listen, man, I know, I know you owe my boss $1,000. I know, I know you do. But what I'm willing to do, if you're willing to do this, and this just kind of stays right here in this room, but I'm just saying, we can change that thing to $700 and call it good. Good for you. Not so good for me. I mean, what does that benefit me? I'm just trying to do this to help you out. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to, just trying to alleviate some. I know you've been under some pressure. I'm just trying to help you out. My boss, he's good. He is low dead. So let's just take that thing from 1000 to 700 bucks. Call it good, right? You know why he's doing this? So that way when he's actually fired, he can call this guy up and say, hey, it's me. You remember that dude that made that sweet deal? I'm actually not working with him anymore. I'm available and I'm just wondering, do you need some help? That dude's gonna have a nice sweet taste in his mouth when it comes to this guy. You see this little dishonest rascal? Are you getting, are you getting a whiff of what he's up to here? Even the manager had to admire this dishonest rascal because now the manager can't even go to this guy and fix the situation. He'll make himself look bad. So he looked at him and says, you know what? You're a smart one. You are a smart one. Look what you did. You figured your way out of this scenario, didn't you? I promise you there's an actual lesson in this for us to learn. There really is. The first one we can learn is this. There was a sense of urgency that, that, uh, that, the, that the steward had when he knew his time was running out. There was a sense of urgency, like suddenly he, he began to think and execute. He didn't just go lay down and say, well, my time is coming, there it goes. No, he actually began to think, he began to, 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 to navigate through his issues, and, and he had a sense of urgency. What would your life and my life look like if we kind of lived with a sense of urgency with the things that God has entrusted to us? 
What if every day we were thinking, what can I do with what God has given to me? What can I do? What can I do? Is there something that I can do as a trusted servant of God? Is there, is there something? Is there someone? Is there anything that I can do? Is there a sense of urgency out there for you and I that we can learn from in this story? And the second thing that we can learn from is that he is now planning for his own future. He's planning out for his own future. He, he, is, he is making choices today that will impact him tomorrow. What if you and I lived a little bit like that? What if we started to live with a little bit of the future in mind? Not even for ourselves, but even for other people. Like maybe you would spend differently. Maybe you would go about life a little bit differently thinking through how does this impact my tomorrow? Now, in no way is the, man, is the master like honoring this dishonest rascal. He's not doing that. But what he is saying is, man, that shrewdness would do some good for you. Like, man, activate that for, for the right reasons, though. See, in most parables that we learn from Jesus, you have to draw out the lessons that he's trying to teach. But not in this one. No, Jesus makes it very easy for us. He actually says, here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. That's the reason why he shared the story of the dishonest rascal. Because he wanted the disciples to understand, you need to learn to use your worldly resources to benefit others and to make friends. But it was the message translation this week that really got my attention. So this is a two-part message. Next week, we'll focus a lot on resources, finance resources, other kind of resources. But in today's message, it was the message translation of this verse that really spoke to my heart. And I think it's going to do the same thing for you. The message says it like this. I want you to be smart in the same way but for what is right. I want you to be smart in the same way. Remember, he's referring to the dishonest rascal. He's acknowledging his shrewdness, right? Which means cleverness or smartness. Like he's acknowledging that in him, but he's saying, but actually do something that, that's good. Like, but for what is right. And then this is what really, like this is, this is what really got my attention using every adversity to stimulate you to creative survival. Because, again, don't you ever ask the question, like, what can I possibly have that God would actually want? And Jesus says, well, why don't you start by looking through the inventory of your adversity? Like, just look over the past. And start to look at some of the adversity in your life and allow that to be a starting point to stimulate creativity in your life, to make a difference for other people in other people's lives. See, a lot of us think, what is it that I have that God would actually want? And Jesus is saying, what about you? What, what have you been through? What have you endured? Look at your background. Take a close look. What, what was it like as a child? And, and is there something in there? Is there something in there that you can pull from to give you a passion, a purpose to live? You see, one thing we all share in life, one thing we all have in common, I'm sure of this, one thing we all have in common is that we've all had some adversity in our life. 
That's one thing I would say we all have in common, not the same adversity, but we've all endured in adversity in our lives. That's one thing we all share in common in our church. Is there something in your life that could stimulate you to creative thinking? Now, let me just share a quick example. You've heard of this, Alcoholics Anonymous. Maybe you've been through it. Congratulations if you finished. 1934, a man by the name of William Griffith Wilson had a 13-year battle with addiction to alcohol. 13 years in and out of programs, in and out of programs. Any of you with someone near and dear to your heart would know this is very common, very common in and out of rehabs, trying every single thing possible to just be cured of this. One day, a down day, he begins to think, what can I do? What can I do to help other people who have the same struggle, the same battle, the same fight that I have? What can I do? Ah. I'll start a program called Alcoholics Anonymous because alcoholics don't want other people to know who they are. We'll call it Alcoholic Anonymous. And so he did. He began a program called Alcoholics Anonymous. And just within 15 years of starting this program, 90,000 people went through this program. 15 years, 90,000 people. Do you know that right now, currently, 2022, there are 2 million people currently going in Alcoholics Anonymous? 2 million! Do you know that over the course of this time, this span, there have been millions and millions of people who would say, it's because of this that I was able to overcome my challenges. Now listen, this message has nothing to do with Alcoholic Anonymous. I, I don't even know the program that much. I failed. Just kidding. But, but I'm just saying, here's a man who had a struggle, a sincere struggle. 13 years of alcohol issues, surely your family's been destroyed by this. Your own life has been destroyed by this. Your finances have been destroyed by this. This stuff destroys people, homes, families, children. 13 years later, he says, I don't want another person to have to go through this by themselves. There's got to be another way. You know, every once in a while you hear these fantastic foundations that come out. You know, maybe there's a foundation out there for families who lose a loved one in a car accident. You know why? Because someone went through that and they said, no, never again. Never again will someone endure that by themselves. You know what I think of? How can you, through your adversity, stimulate creative thinking? Now look into your life and say, okay, what is it? What is it? What is it that I can do? What's, what's associated with my life? That's, what, that's the lesson here. That, that's the lesson that Jesus is teaching here. He's saying, but, but for good, what is it that you can do to help other people? What, what, what part of your story? Maybe it's, maybe it's I, I need to write a song. I need to write a song because my song will touch people. And, 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 and I, I know that God has put a song in my heart. Maybe it's, man, who, man what a... 
what an opportunity to just look and look and look. But, but he doesn't stop here. The, the verse goes on just a little bit and it says, concentrate your attention on the bare essentials. That's helpful. He's talking to the disciples. Keep that in mind. It's an intimate conversation. He's preparing these men to go and change the world. He's saying, concentrate on bare essentials. What are the bare essentials? I thought of a few. Well, prayer is a bare essential in the life of a believer because that's your talking and you're listening to God. So, so there's, if you're here today and you're like, I need to figure this out. I need to figure out what I'm going to do with my life, how God is going to use me. Let's start with prayer. That's a bare essential. You need this. Talking to God, listening to God. Also reading your Bible because that strengthens your faith. So that's another bare essential. Godly community is another bare essential. Like you need to be surrounded by godly community. They say that we are all the perfect blend of the five people you spend the majority of your time with. Who are your five? Who are the people you are spending your time with? You will become like them. So consider godly community in your life. That might lead you to severing some relationships. That might cause you to invite others into your life because godly community is a bare essential in the life of a believer, a growing disciple. And then the last one is service. That's a bare essential. There's got to be moments where you are doing things for other people, hoping and expecting nothing in return. Like this is a service. I want to do this for you. Not because I have need, not even because you have need. This is good for me as a Christian. It's good for me to come alongside other people and help them and assist them and serve them. Those are just the bare essentials. And Jesus said, keep that in mind so you'll live like really live. Man, even in the church, it's true that there are people who aren't like really living. They're living, you're alive, you're living right now, but not really living. Like not, not to a point where you're like, this is unbelievable, life is amazing. Listen, I share in that pain with you. I know that it's not always like that. I, nobody is always on. But here's a remedy, here's a solution. Here's a way that you can get more out of life. Allow your adversity to, create, to, to stimulate creativity in your life and stick to the bare essentials. That's how you will live, like really, really, really live. But you gotta concentrate your efforts on that and not complacently just get by on good behavior. Like let's actually go for more. Let's go for more. Let's be shrewd. Let's be creative. Let's be smart. Listen, some of you, when, you know, your, your last life, think of Saul before Paul. Saul was an aggressive Jew, right? Murderer of Christians. Man, this dude was gun-ho. I mean, this was the gangster of gangsters. Saul was committed to what he believed. I mean, I mean just to the right, conviction. And then Jesus gets a hold of his life, transforms him. And then what kind of Christian does he become? The same kind, gangster for Jesus, man, fearless, fearless, right? Paul is gung-ho for Jesus. That's kind of what Jesus is saying. Like, whoever you were, take the creativity from that. Take the shrewdness from that. Some of you are really smart. Some of you are really gifted. Some of you have great talents. Use those things that maybe at one point you were using for the world, maybe, and now use them for the kingdom. Use them to further the kingdom. Maybe you say, oh, I used to sing at bars. I'll tell you what, man, people packed out. 
Well, join the worship team so we can all enjoy it too. Like that's basically what he's saying. Whatever you were then, take the good from that and now do that for my glory. Like to build the church, to reach more people. What's your story? What do you have? How can you tap into that? Here's a good question for you. What can I possibly have that God would actually want? Our big so what? So our big so what is basically all that to say, this is all you need to remember today. Just remember this. All he wants is all I have. This is a personal thing, you and him. You will give an account one day for thy stewardship. You know what God has given you. You know what God has entrusted into your care. All things considered. You know what you've been through. You know some of the mistakes you've made. You know some of the things that have been done to you. You know some of the tragedy that you've endured, challenges that you are facing. Maybe even today you are facing challenges that seem much bigger than yourself. Maybe that's even true of you today. Maybe God is saying, do something about it even now. Don't wait. Don't wait. Do something about it now. Because surely there's somebody else. Surely there will be another person who will feel the things that you are feeling. And maybe you can be the reason why they have comfort in that moment. You be the source of hope for other people enduring those things. What is it that I have that God would actually want? So our big now what? Figure out what you have. We need to take some time and really reflect on this. Is it, is it the nonprofit that you've gone back and forth with? God, I want to start a nonprofit so bad. So bad. I've been thinking about this for years. Just didn't have the courage to pull the plug. Just, is it the nonprofit for something that means something so much to you? Is it the foundation that means something so much? It means so much to you. You know that it would have great impact on other people. Is it writing a book? Have you had this dream, this thought of, I need to write a book. I need to write a book. I need to tell my story. 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 Man, what is it that keeps me coming back to this idea of writing a book? You're great. You're a great writer. You have great thoughts. You have a way of articulating what's in your mind and putting it on paper. And other people have a way of absorbing that. Like maybe it's a book. Maybe it's a change in career. Maybe you've been locked in a career for a few years and you're just like, I am not, it doesn't feel the same. There's something else. I keep thinking about it. I keep thinking about it. Every time I drive by this place, my heart, you know, what, what is it? What is it? Is it a change in career? Like, is it time to do something else? Is, is, that, is it a nudge that God has put in your heart years ago and you've just kind of been waiting and waiting and waiting? Is, is God calling you to something else? I'm just trying to help. I'm just trying to help you consider what you have, considering some of your options. Like these are ways that you can stimulate creativity in your life for the good of other people. Maybe it's your budget. Maybe you're like, man, I need to, I need to change some things in my budget so that I can do some, some things for people. Like, 
maybe I need to cut back on a few things so that I have a little bit more to help other people who are in need. Maybe, you know, that, maybe that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go back and, you know, I, I was wondering why I got such a significant pay raise. I was wondering why I got such a, you know, why they promoted me. I was, no, now I know. Now God is just making a way for me to do this so I can help people here. And no wonder why I can't sleep at night because I keep thinking about the people who are hungry or, or I, I keep thinking about people who, who are struggling with this kind of an addiction. And I, and I think that I can do something with that now. Maybe it's adoption. Maybe you've, you've wrestled with this idea of, you know, Neil, Neil spoke to this a little last week with, you know, the church needing to rise up and take its place and we need to be willing to take in children. And maybe, maybe for you, it's like, I just need to do it already. I just need to do it. Enough thinking about it, enough contemplating, enough being afraid. I'm just gonna, it's adoption. I know that's what God wants me to do. And, and I'm a, you know, maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's stepping out and starting your own business. Maybe it's a new life group. Maybe you're like, man, my life group just, I just need, I just need a new season. I need, you know, I love my group leader so much, but maybe I need to start my own life group. Maybe I just need to join another life group because, man, I, I need to get back to the bare essentials. I need to get back to the bare essentials. I need to get back to reading my word. I need to get back to praying, like in really knowing God. Remember, Neil painted this beautiful picture last week of this is what discipleship is. It's walking hand in hand with Christ. It's being close to him. And maybe you've lost that. Jesus says, this is your first step. Get back to this. Get back to the bare essentials. Get back to walking and talking with Jesus. Maybe today that's the commitment you make because I need to get back to that. Maybe I need to relook at my time, my week, and, and see how I do that. Maybe it's new friends. Maybe it's the people that you're hanging around with, and they are just pulling you down. They just, man, they shoot down every idea you have. Every time you want to do good, they have a way of, you know, raining on your parade, just raining on your parade, and you're just disappointed, you're discouraged. And maybe today God's just saying, you need to sever some relationships. You need to sever some relationships. Maybe it's the boyfriend. Maybe it's the girlfriend. You know, like, I, you need to sever relationships. You need to get better people around you. Whatever it is. How can we use that adversity to simulate creativity for good? What is it that you have? What is it that you have? What is it that God has entrusted to you? He's given this to you. He's blessed you with this. You have this privilege to be a steward, but there's a great responsibility with that as well. Would you stand your feet with me? I'd like to give us a moment to respond. Prayer team, would you make your way forward at this time? Listen, for most, maybe you could just do that right there where you're at. Maybe, maybe right there in your seat, you could just have a moment. Just have a moment. Maybe others would say, I want to, I want to, I want to have someone pray through this with me. I'd love to have someone pray through this with me. That's what this prayer team is here for, to help pray through things with you, to come alongside of you in prayer, believe with you. So of course they're available to that, but can we just take a moment, close your eyes right there where you are. Just take a moment. I know it's a busy weekend for all of us when this service is over, man, it just means the party is starting now. And we got all day tomorrow, no work, all the rest of today, beautiful weather, family, friends. I know all, and I'm looking forward to those things myself. But can we just take a moment, just take a moment and examine our own hearts, examine our life. What kind of steward are you? If, 
you know, how are you managing what's been entrusted to you? How are you managing our master's resources? How, how are you stewarding those things? And how can we do more? How can we make a difference in people's lives? What, what's the eternal difference that we can make in other people's lives? Holy Spirit, would you speak to us right now? Would you speak to us? Would you speak directly to us in a way that we would know without a shadow of a doubt that's God speaking to me? Only he knows about that thought. Only he knows about that dream. Only he knows that I've been up at night wrestling through that. God, that was you. God, thank you for speaking to me. Holy Spirit, speak to us in that way. Speak to us in that way. Forgive us for mishandling the resources that you've given to us. Forgive us for losing sight, not having that sense of urgency in our lives. Forgive us for that. We want to honor you, God, in everything that you've entrusted to us, our children, our relationships, our work, our finances, every part of our life. You may not have the answer today. Might be too soon. Might be too soon, but God's gonna begin to work. If you open your heart to it, God just might begin to work. He might just begin messing with your heart. He just might begin to surface things in you, reminding you of some of the things you've endured. He might bring back to remembrance something you had, a dream you had years ago. Maybe when you were a little girl, you were a little boy, you had these thoughts, these aspirations, these dreams, these things that you wanted to do and it would help people. It would make a big difference in people's lives and you've lost sight of that because of life, because of the challenges in life. Maybe you're going through something today. Maybe someone you love is going through something today, facing challenges, uh, disease of any, whatever. And, and maybe you're thinking, how can I do something about that right now? That'll give me a purpose and a passion to live. That'll light my fire. That'll do it for me. That's what I need. I need to be creative with the adversity that is in front of me right now. I need to be creative with the adversity that is right now, right in front of me. And it will stimulate me to creativity on how I can, how I can make that a passion point, how I can, how that can become a purpose in my life, a way that I can serve God and, and serve people. What is those things? What are those things? Maybe you don't know it today, but this week it'll come to you. Maybe today it'll come to you. We've got to open our hearts. So what I'm going to ask is this. Maybe you don't know. Maybe you do know. But if you're saying, I want to know, I am going to have this conversation. I am going to get through this conversation with God. Would you just lift your hand right there where you're at saying, I will. I'm, I'm committed to seeing what there is in my life. I'm committed to this. I'm, I'm going to look deeper. Would you just lift your hand? Lift it up high. Lift it up high. Let's see this across the room. Let's see this. Let's see it. A church body here saying, I'm committed to this. I'm committed to finding what's out there for me. I'm committed to more, God. I want to serve you. I want to do something. I want to have meaningful relationships. I want to help people. So God, you see our hands. You see our commitment to you. We invite you into this conversation. We want to know, God. We want to know. We want to honor you. We want to serve you. Help us, Holy Spirit. Help us. Help us, give us the strength we need, the finances we need, the courage we need to respond, to say yes, to say yes. Thank you that you love us so much that you have these kinds of conversations with us.
And thank you that you take our messy past and you make something beautiful with it. I thank you for those who are standing in this room today who represent your goodness. At one point, they were at a broken spot in life. You have given them new life. We thank you for that, God. We thank you for those of us who have overcome depression, those of us who have overcome deep hurts and deep pains. We thank you, God, for the joy that comes after those long nights, God. We thank you for our children. We thank you for the privilege of being a parent, God. What a joy to be a parent. We thank you for that, God. We thank you for them. Lord, thank you for our marriages, God. Thank you for our jobs, God. Thank you for the things you have entrusted to us, God. But now help us, God. Help us, God, to be creative in how we go about serving you. In Jesus' name we pray together. Everybody said.